I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's episode has been sponsored by a startup stationery company called Dear Annabelle. They make engraved note cards and place cards and really cool, fun pads. It's super luxury, but also a little bit irreverent and whimsical. And right now, with so much of this social distancing and all of us being separated from all the people we love, there's really no better time to take out a beautiful piece of stationery and write a letter to somebody you miss. In fact, this is making me want to do this right this very second. So check out DearAnnabelle.com, D-E-A-R, Annabelle.com, and the code is Zibby15, Z-I-B-B-Y 15, and you'll get 15% off of all of this amazing stuff. So definitely go check it out. And thank you so much to dear Annabelle for being our sponsor. I'm so excited to be Skyping with Jean Luen Yang today on the day after his pub day, which is really exciting. He's the author, illustrator, cartoonist of American Born Chinese, which was the first graphic novel ever to be nominated for the National Book Award and the American Library Association's Prince Award, which he won. He also won an Eisner Award for Best Graphic Album, New, and many other awards. His two-volume graphic novel, Boxers and Saints, was nominated for a National Book Award also and won the LA Times Book Prize. He's written and illustrated many other graphic novels like Secret Coders and the Avatar series. His latest graphic novel, which just came out, is Dragon Hoops. He also received the MacArthur Fellowship, a graduate of UC Berkeley with a master's degree from California State University, East Bay. Gene is a teacher currently through Hamline University's MFA in writing for children and young adults. He currently lives in California with his four children and his wife. Welcome, Gene. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you please tell listeners what your latest book, Dragon Hoops, is about? Yes, Dragon Hoops just came out this week. I've been working on this book since uh, 2014, so it took me about five years to, to finish it. And it's my first nonfiction graphic novel. Up until this point, all the stories that I've told, I've made up. I followed a, a high school basketball team. I used to be a high school teacher. I followed the varsity men's team of that school for a season, and the book is about them. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I'm here with my son. Oh, thanks. My son is here. Thank you. Are you a basketball fan? Kinda. <laughs> not really. I like to watch him more than play. I'm not that good at basketball. But he's a he's a you fan because he's read your book. Okay. So. <laughs> so it took you five years. What inspired you to write it? You know, I was in this weird spot. I'm kind of in the same spot right now where I, I just finished a big project. So before that, I did a book called Boxers and Saints, which is about the Boxer Rebellion. Yeah, and and that took me that took me like I don't know five, six years to finish. And I was kind of fishing for another idea. So I was, you know, reading books to, to see if I can get some ideas. And then people on campus, on the campus where I was teaching, started talking about basketball because supposedly the, the varsity men's team of that, of that year was really good. I'm not a basketball fan. I don't even like watching it. You know, not like you. And I don't even like watching it. I don't like anything about it because I was really terrible at it. It, it. Like when I was a kid, it wasn't even like I didn't have talent at basketball. It was like I had anti-talent. You know, it was like when I walked on the court, anything that could go wrong, it would actually go wrong. Like I would jam my fingers, a ball would hit me in the head. I'd yeah. like pass and yeah, like I would shoot in the wrong basket, you know, like it was terrible. So I never liked anything about it. But then the more I found out about this team, the more I realized there was a, a story there. And I love stories. 
it was really scary because I didn't know anything about basketball, but I decided to, to chase after that story. So it sounds like in the story, and I have to say, Owen read this book on my behalf <laughs> since he's such a big fan, that the members of the team really end up bonding together despite their years of losing to ultimately sort of triumph through teamwork and all the rest. Tell me, yeah, tell me about yeah. some of the messages behind that and what made it such a great story for you. Well, have, have you guys ever been on a, like a team of any kind? Yeah, my... You know, do, do you play yeah. anything else? I play hockey and football okay. for the most part. Okay, okay. So you've been on teams, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever been on... I mean, I ran cross country when I was in high school and I did track. I was not good at either of those, but those are more like <laughs> individual sports, you know? So I've, I've never been on a team and I'm, I'm sure you felt this. Like, it seems like when you have a group of people and they're all kind of chasing after the same goal, that it kind of automatically bonds them. Even if they're from really different places, even if they're from really different backgrounds, it really bonds them. And I saw that. I saw that with this particular team. Like some of those players had played on varsity for a couple of years already, so they were really good friends. But then there were other players. Like there was a a kid named Alex Zhao, who was an exchange student from China. He came here specifically because he was good at basketball. He wanted to, you know, experience what American basketball was like. And this was his first year on varsity. And I, I watched. I watched as the season went on. He slowly bonded with the other guys on the team. So I, I think it's kind of neat. I think it's kind of neat to see that you can find common ground with people who might, at least on the surface, seem very different from you, as long as you're all pursuing the same goal. And what about the role of the coach? How did he just not give up despite all the setbacks. Yeah, dude, that coach. So we're we're pretty good friends now. We've been texting in the last few weeks a a lot because of the book launch and because of what's going on in the world. But his name is Lou Ritchie. He and I had actually been on the same campus for like a decade, over a decade, but we were not really friends before this season. Like I I would say hi to him in the halls and stuff, you know, but we never really had a, a sustained conversation. But then I went into his office under the gym and we had this long conversation about his life and he just lived a really crazy life. I think the amount of stuff about him that I put into the book is maybe just like 10% of what he told me. He told me just all these really crazy stories and they were so crazy that I didn't really believe them. You know, until he gave me like proof. So, for instance, chapter one is all about him. He's an alum of that same school, Bishop O'Dowd High School, and he graduated in the late late 80s. He actually went to the California State Championship when he was a junior. And that was played at the, it used to be called the Oakland Arena, but now it's the the Oracle Arena. Up until recently, it's where the Golden State Warriors played. It's a big deal. Like he was like a 17-year-old kid in this giant stadium playing in front of thousands of fans. And he's on the court with seven seconds left. He gets the ball in his hand. He puts it up in the, at the buzzer. It goes through the hoop. So his team wins. They're freaking out. And then that, that shot gets invalidated because supposedly the center of his team had a hand on the, uh, on the, on the hoop, you know? And, and when he told me this, I was like, that sounds like something out of a movie. Is that, is that real? But then he gave me the tape and it was totally real. So, I, I mean, I think a, a, a big part of that book is built on him, on his stories, you know, on, on the fact that he lived such an interesting life. Yeah. Is he now like super excited to have this book out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he is. He was. <laughs> <laughs> until, until all this crazy stuff happened. He's still excited. He's still super supportive. I mean, that's part of why we've been talking a lot. We've been talking a lot just to, just to check up on each other, but also just to talk about how 
crazy things are. I mean, maybe the thing, the, the reason why things are so crazy now is because his life is kind of crazy. <laughs> like, this is part of his life now, right? Yeah. Like, we're launching a book about Lou Ritchie's life, and it's so fitting for it to be so nutty right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So how did you get into writing graphic novels? I know you started from a really young age, but, how, like, how did, you, how did you know that this was your calling? Yeah, well, I always liked drawing. I started drawing when I was two years old. I think most kids do, but I, some of us just don't stop. We just, we just keep going, right? So I kept going, and then I knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to tell stories through drawing. And at first, I thought I was going to do that by becoming a Disney animator. That was actually my big goal. But then in fifth grade, my mom bought me my first comic book. It was a, a Superman comic, and that kind of set me off, right? I, I realized, like, I could actually – I don't have to wait – to get hired by some animation studio to, to start telling stories by drawing. I could just do it immediately. That's one of my favorite things about comics. Anybody can make a comic. So that's what I started doing in fifth grade, and eventually it became a career. And when did you realize that you could actually sell it, that it wasn't just a fun pastime for you, but that it could you know, be a, be an, actually be a uh, job for you? Oh, fifth grade. Fifth, fifth grade. grade. I, I had a friend named Jeremy Kuniyoshi. Yeah, we made comics together. And then his mom was like, Super excited about it. My parents weren't as excited. <laughs> My parents wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. But his mom was super excited. So she would take the pages that we drew and she would take them to work and then photocopy them for us, right? And then we'd take these photocopies and we'd staple them by hand and we sold them to our friends for 50 cents a piece. We made like $8. I mean, that's not a lot now, but in the 80s, it was a big deal, right? You make $8 as a fifth grader. It was amazing. I was like coloring in my own bookmarks and trying to sell them door to door for 25 cents. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Hey, wait, how did that go? How much did you sell them for? I, I was selling each bookmark for 25 cents and it was out here on Long Island and I was going around to everybody's house and this one house, I'll like never forget it. It like tried to dampen my entrepreneurial spirit. I went to the door and I said I was selling bookmarks and they said, well, what's it for us? And I was saving up to buy a record that's just to date myself even further. Anyway, I was like, well, I'm saving up to buy a record. And they said, you know, just go home and have your parents buy you a record. And they didn't buy it. Oh, that's so lame. Is that the worst? And the worst part is that they lived right across the street from us for like the next 20 years. I was oh, like, how can you do that? So, I know. So now I have a rule that like anytime a child tries to sell me yeah. anything, I always like pull over on the side of the road and buy lemonade and all of that, you know. Oh, that's great. That's great. But I'm yeah, glad- there's people across the street from you, like villains from a children's book. That's what they sound like. Totally. Mom, you can write a comic about that. Do I count as yeah. a child? Do you count as a child? Can I sell you stuff? Can you sell me stuff? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't Found know. Found out my living. You can't sell me stuff I that I bought you. Okay, anyway. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that like what you do when you're young it really like has such staying power, right? You got such positive reinforcement from your work that now look at you. It's like amazing. And you're you're the national ambassador for young people's literature appointed by the Library of Congress. Like that sounds very important. Yeah, I was. I was. I was the fifth one. So Jason Reynolds is the current one. He's the seventh. And then Jackie Woodson was in between us. That was like the fanciest job title I've ever had, right? National Ambassador of Young People's Literature. And it was super fun. It, it, it basically just meant I would fly around the country back when you, we used to be able to fly. I would fly around the country and I'd, I'd give these presentations to different communities about reading, you know, about how we can really get to know the world 
through reading. And you had a whole TED Talk about why you believe graphic novels belong in the classroom. So what's your, what's your like two minute takeaway from that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, I think in some corners of the country right now, people are super excited that graphic novels are starting to come into classrooms. And in other corners, people are kind of freaked out. And I think the reason why they're freaked out is because they're worried that graphic novels are going to replace like prose novels. They're going to replace novels with no pictures in them. Uh, and I have to tell you, like, just from, uh, just from a comic book guy's perspective, I just don't think that's the case. Pretty much all the comic book creators that I know are also fans of, of prose novels. And what we really want is we want comics to kind of take their proper place alongside the other forms of, of storytelling in, in America. There are some stories that are best told through prose, through just words, and there are some stories that are best told through, through comics. And, and I think the current popularity of graphic novels is, is that. You know, they're, like Smile, for instance, Raina Tagelmeier's Smile, you would not be able to tell that story as effectively through prose, in my opinion. Good to know. Do you, so do you read a lot of graphic novels? Yes, that's like on? the only kind of books I read. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, you should try other kinds of books too. Do you have any current favorites? Well, right actually, now? the boxes and saints have been my favorites for a while. I really love those. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. That's great. I did not pay. Yeah, him. I did not pay that? him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried Nathan Hill stuff? Like, if you like history, Nathan Hill. I haven't stuff tried is that great. at all. I'll try it. Nathan yeah. Yeah. Check it out. You know, it's funny, I interviewed, so I interviewed Mark Siegel, which is how I got to you from first second. Oh, okay, okay. And I talked to him at length about the graphic novel form because my son at that time was really only reading graphic novels and I was always encouraging him to read other types, feeling like it was in some way cheating. And he convinced me, and now of course I've come to the other side and realized that no, graphic novels are like this amazing way of consuming literature and that it's yeah. it's it's such a gift. But I think, I feel like I was one of those early, like it took me a minute to understand because when you don't, especially if you don't read it yourself at first, right, then you don't yeah. understand the magic of it. And now it's like ubiquitous. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's all true. But I, I do also, in, in the same way, like when you eat, you're supposed to eat lots of different kinds of, of food. I think that's true for reading, too. I think we should eat, we should all read lots of different kinds uh, of books. Like, like for instance, if, if you like uh, Dragon Hoops, Kwame Alexander's crossover. Yeah, on, uh, yeah, Newberry It's a big deal. It's awesome, right? It's a great book, yeah. And there are also there there are actually there are lots of great sports stories in in comics. There's one called Slam Dunk. Have you tried that? Slam Dunk. It's a, a series, yeah, yeah. It's a Japanese comic. Oh, yeah. And it's like uh, they like he does action super well. He does he does like encore action super well. I read that book over and over again to figure out how to do action dragon hoops. Yeah, you check it out. You should check it out. And then Matt De La Pena has a book called Ball Don't Lie, which is I think it's told in first person. It's been a while since I read it, but it's a prose novel about basketball. Are you sure you should be recommending like all your comps here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think, I, th I think like reading diversely is awesome. I think, I think it's a, it's a great way of developing the brain diversely in every sense of the word, right. In terms of format, in terms of subject matter, in terms of the kind of characters that are being represented. And you're also now, I believe, turning some of these into TV shows. Is that right? Well, we're working slowly. <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm definitely a comic book guy. You know, like the comic, the graphic novel, that is what I am truly passionate about. And I, I kind of think 
any possible adaptation that may or may not happen that would just be icing on the cake. But we are we're like we're like I have a media agent. We're we're talking to some folks, and we'll see if anything comes of it. And can you tell us a little more about the process of writing a book and illustrating and the graphic? Like, which how do you even approach it? Do you have like the story structure in mind, and then like just tell, take us through a, a sample book of yours and like where and when you do everything, if you have like a sketching yeah, office yeah, sure. and just the whole process <laughs> thing. So I, I usually start by with the idea. And once I can see a beginning, middle and end of my head, then I'll write like a synopsis of the story, an outline. So this will be like a real short kind of uh, summary of everything that will happen in the book. And then from that, if I'm writing for like a big company like DC Comics or, or Nickelodeon, I'll do a script. It kind of looks like a movie script. But if I'm just doing it, for me or for one of my friends to illustrate, I'll usually do thumbnail sketches, which are these small sketches of what every page looks like. From there, I'll do the final art. And, and lately, like Dragon Hoops was the first book that I did all on computer. So I have a Wacom tablet, which is like a screen that you can draw on, and I draw on that. Before that, I used to draw using just a pencil and uh, a Japanese brush pen. Cool. I remember I was once in like another country and I got a really bad suntan. So I had to stay indoors all the time. It was terrible because it was on a beach. And I just remember every day I'd read American Born Chinese. It was just so good. Oh, well, I'm sorry for your suntan, but thank you for (laughs) reading my book. I didn't know where that was going. (laughs) I didn't know what he was saying there. How long did it take you to heal? Uh, About a week by then the vacation was over, but it was fine. Okay. Yeah, I guess I sunburn super easy too. Maybe I should do a comic about that. <laughs> so what projects are you working on now? Well, I, I, I do have another book coming out in May. I mean, this is not the best time to debut books, but <laughs> but I have this book right here coming out from DC Comics. It's called Superman Smashes the Clan. The art is not by me. The art is by these Japanese artists. They call themselves Guri Hiru, and they're freaking amazing. Let me show you. See, that's their rendition of, of Superman. Oh, wow. But this this is actually a, a retelling of a story from the old 1940s Superman radio show where Superman actually takes on the Ku Klux Klan. That story is considered one of the most important in Superman's history, but it's never been told in comics form. So Guru Huri and I are putting it in comics for the first time. Wow, cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's been a super fun. And do you have any questions? Nope, I have no questions. No more questions? <laughs> nope. Well, do you have any advice to aspiring authors, or particularly authors who are trying to be graphic novelists like you? Yeah, I mean, I think you just don't wait. You just start now. You you start making comics as soon as you can. Like I said, comics are one of these things where you don't really need permission to make them. You can just make them. All you really need to distribute them is like a Xerox machine, or you can even do it on the web now, which was not available to me when I was in fifth grade, right? You can scan it in, put it on a website, Start making comics now. That's my biggest advice. Well, that will definitely give us something to do during this home <laughs> confinement situation yeah. in the country. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, now's you. a great time to make comics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure. Well, Jean, thank you so much for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to you both. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank uh, you. All right. Well, have a yeah. great day. Thank okay. you. Thank you for taking the time. Okay. Thanks, Jean. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks again to Dear Annabelle, today's sponsor of the podcast. DearAnnabelle.com, code Zibby15 to get 15% off of engraved stationery, notepads, place cards, and more. You can follow me on Instagram at
at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 